This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. We are back for another episode of Playing Around, and the crew is back. We have Josh here with us today and Pro Tory. No guests, so we're just going to shoot the shit and have some fun. But Josh, I heard you're, um, you're heated. Something's been going on. We haven't seen you for a while, so update us. I, I'm losing my shit. I, I am, I, I, and I, and I, and I don't mean just today. I mean the last three weeks. I am dying. COVID is brutal. And let me just say this: I'm just going to talk to the the parents out there. Like mm. my heart goes out to all of you because mine's just as melted into a little raisin as everyone else's. Because, I mean, like just the idea of what's new at our house like with my kids i got an eight-year-old and a 16-year-old i got a now i have a trampoline a hoverboard we have two goldfish colossal and jetpack a new chess set new golf equipment uh, a punching bag uh let's see various board games and um and a new desk for my poor second graders school at home everyone's at home we're trying everything we can to like get outside, take hikes, uh, play golf, um, jump on the trampoline, use the hoverboard, skateboard, bike, all of that. And then the fucking fires hit. Yeah. Ugh. And it is ash on the car. You walk outside, you're saying there's just no way it feels like a thousand degrees at 6 a.m. No one can go outside. It, 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 we're just like this apocalyptic, you know, those apocalyptic, mine would be Terminator, but those post-apocalyptic movies where everyone's stuck down under underground in these caves. And then you sit there and you've got, but you're not with a village of people. You're just with your own family. Which makes it even worse because I feel like after a while you realize that you really do hate your children. But I'm at like the crying in the shower portion of 2020 right right about now. And like I've been binge watching New Girl, so I really want to cut bangs all of a sudden. We all know from a throwback episode that anytime bangs. I cut bangs, let's not do it. Let's not do it. Brings up some bad memories of crabs. But Josh, I got to ask, like, I'm sure all of that's for your eight-year-old, but how is your 16-year-old handling this? It's a good question. I have no idea. She sits in, and I, I, I wanted to ask you about that, PG, because my 16-year-old seems to be fine with all of it. She's in her <laughs> room. She takes care of her stuff. Like, her grades are good. Like, we've checked. We gave, we gave her her own separate Wi-Fi in her room. Her grades are good. I never see her. Um, she comes down in PJs. Hey, Dad. And, you know, makes a little avocado toast or whatever 16-year-olds eat. Goes back up. I don't. I have no idea. I have no idea. But she seems fine. I think it's because we're so used to being glued to our phones, and that's how we communicate. And even we don't even do phone calls really that often. I know Tori loves a good FaceTime call. Love. But <laughs> I think Love. that's when you're older. But when you're a teenager, you just want to text literally all the time. And so all of your communication is through your phone. And so that face-to-face -face communication is like not that important. So she's. She's probably enjoying this, loving this. She doesn't have to go to high school anymore. She can just do everything online and still talk to her friends. So I feel like teenagers were born for this moment. They've been bred to survive. Right. Uh, <laughs> I so mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I think it's really great to have, like, I'm really concerned about the social realm for these kids. I really am. But at the same time, I wish I almost had more online classes at a younger age because that's like all what college is. Or it's like if you miss a class, like you got to go watch it online. I wish I almost had more structure of that implemented at a younger age 
So when I got to college, when I got to college, (laughs) I'd know how to utilize it. So I guess it's like a little bit of a thing, but I don't know. It's like, so I, all of my schooling was done online. And so that's all I had from, Mm. wow, fifth grade until college was online. I didn't have any in-person classes except for a Spanish class that my mom dragged me to at a community college. And I literally was screaming and crying (laughs) and I didn't want to go. And I was like, the whole ride there, I was like, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I don't want to do this. I hate you. And that was my only like one in-person class that I took for that entire amount of time. And so like, yeah, I learned how to teach myself. I really enjoyed it but when I went to college I didn't really I didn't feel like I was set up for more success because I knew how to work online I almost liked having that in person Mm -hmm. and I preferred that compared to online probably because my mom was my teacher and so (laughs) that was that was what I was dealing with so it was nice to have like professors who actually like knew what they were talking about and just not like relearning it with me wait Josh how weird is it that her her mom volunteered to teach and you guys are being forced like is it weird looking at her mom being like you wanted this on your own yeah totally and not only that but do you know that oh, so i i got a stat for you three percent of kids in america were homeschooled before covid right like official right signed up like what you did pg yeah and now and now yes we are all taking school at home but it's tripled the people have bailed out of school and are now homeschooling. PG, this is turning into your world. I know. Well, and I think I think it's good and bad because I have such a close relationship with my mom. But after being homeschooled for so long, we didn't talk, I think, f- most of freshman year of college. Like, I didn't talk to my parents at all. And we kind of had a little bit of a rough patch. And I think when you just spend so much time with your parents, it's it's hard. Like, it's really, really hard. And it was nice to, like, have my independence and do whatever I want, not have to always report back to my parents. And so I think it, it's going to bring a lot of parents and kids closer together. But I think it's also going to definitely test their relationship and how much they love each other. Yeah, I mean, I was walking with my son and we were just on the street. And there was a there was a, our neighbor, it was a nine-year-old girl, and she was out on the lanai little balcony thing just just out there bored out of her fucking mind and my son stopped and they just started talking and i and he was like dying to talk to someone other than me and they were they were just being kids and it was and i was just like okay just just i i gave them like 50 feet of space and they were just sitting there and they were talking it was like a little like a platonic romeo and juliet thing going on and i just it real again and again i'm sitting there going oh my god he needs he needs kids. He doesn't need to know what eight plus eight is. He needs to know, you know, what the other kid thinks. Do you think it might actually be better for the kids, though? Because going through middle school and high school can be really toxic. And most of the time you learn from what other kids are doing. And I think they pick up a lot of bad habits or just things that they shouldn't be knowing. Do you think being around their parents, they're actually going to have like a better upbringing? Or is it going to be like me where it's so sheltered then as soon as they get some freedom, you know, all hell breaks loose? I think that middle school would be great to leave, especially just for my daughter and what she had to go through. Middle school online would be perfect. Yeah. Because, but I think elementary school, so we live right next to our, our school. It's on the other side of the street. And I've had to go there a couple of times just to pick up supplies. And he, he wants, he's dying to go with me and he goes with me and he just wants to just see the school and see his teacher and see like, 
I think elementary school is you just got to have friends. Definitely. Yeah. I think middle school, you're right, though. That should be mandatory that you need therapy and to be homeschooled. <laughs> For sure. I mean, they're just as mean online as you know. Yeah, I know that. Well, we have a lot that we need to discuss. Josh, I'm sorry that you're dealing with all of that, but let's try to take your mind off of that and get into some sports talk because there's so much has happened. And I first want to start with golf because we had the Payne Valley match, which if you didn't watch it, uh, Tiger Woods opened his brand new golf course at Big Cedar Lodge and Johnny Morris, who... Um, started Bass Pro Shops, owns all of them. He's a billionaire. That's his property. And there's tons of beautiful golf courses there. I actually played there when I did the Legends event. So when I got to play with Justin Timberlake and Mark Wahlberg and Gary Player, I think I've told that story before. But that property is insane. It is absolutely incredible. It's literally Disneyland for golfers, hunters, fishers, like it is incredible. And you don't believe it until you go there and you see it. But I thought the match was great. So it was Tiger Woods and Justin Thomas versus, or as Tori likes to call him, Justin Timberlake. Yeah, my boy JT. <laughs> Rory McIlroy and Justin Rose. And I was blown away. I thought they absolutely killed it. It was fun. It was entertaining. It wasn't cheesy at all. I thought it was incredible. They did it. I think every exhibition match that they're doing, they're getting better and better and better. And they're kind of learning how to do it. And the guys that they're pairing up together, they're just finally learning from mistakes that they've made. And they are creating a really great product and something that I think a lot of people are, have been enjoying lately. I would say that you're, I think you're right that they're improving and they're finding the right people for it. I, I'm kind of, I don't know if I'm over, I'm, I'm, I think I might be over the celebrity thing. I mean, I love, like I loved watching JT on Faraday, but like I think forcing Rory and JT and Domino's Pizza and all of those things like- Okay, I, I gotta ask about that because that was weird. Do you think that was like a small plug for a potential sponsorship with Rory? Because that just came out of nowhere. Like no one is just like, you know what? I love Domino's Pizza. Let's talk about <laughs> how much I love Domino's Pizza. And the fact that they had it both, like they were both mic'd up and then they just were watching them talk about that. It was odd. That was weird. So that's that's what I think about all of these things is that that we're we're we, and we talked about this back in the day when Phil and Tiger did it and we're like we're waiting for that little instant bit of ha ah, ha this is so fun they're regular people I'm a little tired of them I I think you're right that golf course is gorgeous and it looks like Disneyland but I I'm I don't know if I need to do any more of these matches I I I think the U.S. Open in my opinion was five times more entertaining. Really? So I thought the U.S. Open was a bit underwhelming, and I thought this was significantly better, and I think that they need to move more to exhibition matches to get people involved, but you think that the U.S. Open was better. Correct. And I, and I also think that that might... Watching the U.S. Open, and I, and I listened to you guys talk about... I actually was shocked you didn't talk more about the U.S. Open because that thing was... <laughs> But you were bored. You were bored. Same. No, no, no. Same. We want to talk about it. Didn't work out, but we'll move past that. Little drama. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I swear to God, every putt mattered at the U.S. Open and no one was in. You were never in the hole until you were in the hole. And I thought it was just, I loved it. So I much more enjoyed watching the U.S. Open than the, than the four ball with, um, with Rory Tiger, JT, and, uh, and and uh 
Justin Rose. <laughs> like, I don't even remember them. I thought <laughs> Faraday was a little off. Like, I didn't feel like he was as sharp as he normally was. And I always look forward to seeing him um, be involved in anything. He's always so funny. But he, was, he wasn't quite, like, asking the right questions. He was kind of stuttering. I don't know. Something just seemed a little bit off of Faraday that day. Well, some really funny people sometimes stutter, PG. <laughs> I don't know who you're referring to. My mind is completely <laughs> blank right now. Well, you don't like Faraday anyway. Remember when I brought it up and you were like, no, no I do younger. like, no, I do like Faraday. I think that his time has kind of come. Like he's done everything he needs to do and it'd be nice to kind of recycle some people in there. But, I, you know, out of all of them, I, I, pref- I prefer him. I like him the best. And so that's why I was a little disappointed by um, how he was doing. What about your boy Colt? What, what you think he would do better? A hundred percent, especially because he has such a close relationship with all of those guys that he can really kind of dive into, you know, funny stories or, you know, little quirks that they have. And I think having that personal relationship during these types of matches is really important because you can kind of bring out that kind of silly, funny side and kind of recall like certain things that you guys have done together and make it more fun. Here's the problem. The problem is the viewership has not changed for the PGA as the players have. Yeah. We're still, I'm, I'm a young viewer for the PGA. I know. I just, <laughs> she's so sad. I know. And I know that. And I know I say this literally all the time, but it's just, I just want things to change. Like I want people my age to like want to watch golf and I can see why they don't want to watch golf. And we always talk about this, but it's just sad. Like why can't, why can't we get more young people into golf? Like, well, how hard is that? Apparently really hard. Golf is thriving right now, PG. There is more younger kids playing golf now than ever before. It's happening. Yeah. It's just your, the production value is not moving the way you want to yet. Yet. Yeah, no, it's definitely going in the right direction. Um, but I, I still think that these exhibition matches are going to bring new people into the game compared to watching the U.S. Open. I think the U.S. Open for those loyal, hardcore golf fans is like crack. Like, we eat that shit up. But when it comes to an exhibition match, this is what people want. They want that banter. They want the fun. They want it to be moving quickly. And this is what I think is going to get more people into the game. And so that's why I'm all for doing more exhibition matches. But you need... I mean, you need a big name. Like, you need someone like a Tiger to always be in there to do these matches to really draw people in. Okay, so what do you think about... I, I was thinking, how could you even go better? Because I was thinking of how they got better and they cut a little bit more and it moved a little faster. Whereas we were literally watching Tiger take his glove off with his teeth in his, dry, in his golf cart, you know, like five times before. So what if you were to produce the show just 100% and do like, boom, 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 second hole, third hole. Here's a funny thing. Here's the Domino's Pizza thing. Boom, goes in the water, talks some shit about Tiger's ball, you know, his name being on his ball. Like, boom, 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 boom. Do you think a more produced thing or do you think the reality vibe of it is better? You know, I go back and forth because anytime that I produce my content and it's 
we bring in good cameras and mics and we put a lot of thought into it. Sometimes that is overproduced and people don't like that. They like these guys looking real. They like something authentic and raw. And so I go back and forth. Yes, I think sometimes that maybe this should be shot a day before so that way they can kind of clip it up a little bit better, make it a little shorter, nice little package. But I don't think it needs to be overproduced. I think they need to do the same type of thing, make it raw, but not have as much of a, a lag in between. That's where you get kind of like those awkward little you know, um, encounters where it's like, are you listening? Or what do I say this? Do I say that? And I think if you kind of cut those out, leave the good stuff in, but don't make it overproduced, still have it really raw in like reality. Like you want to see these guys just having fun out there. Like that's what people love, like being real. Cause that's what you do with your buddies. You're just out there talking shit, hitting some bad shots, having fun. And I think you need to keep that aspect of it, but definitely kind of condense it a little bit. It was a bit long. So for me, from an entertainment standpoint, like, look, we're talking about athletes and we have producers that, that shoot golf and know how to, you know, work cameras and edit and all of that. And then you have entertainment, right? Where you have to hit the funny spot or you get in trouble with guys like Matt Wolf, like you said, where you're asking him to do something he's not. You're asking him something, yeah. to, you know? So I think why not try to shoot the shit out of it, cut it up and give us a either half hour or, you know, 50 minute, here's what happened, here's how it went. I think trying that would would make sense because we already get all the reality of the golf, like, like, the, like the weekend and you just go. Yeah, well, but I think you, you need to bring up, the right, yeah, but you need to bring like the right people in to do it. I think you need to bring, 100%. that's where I think they're messing, messing up a little bit because it's always kind of probably the same crew that they work with over and over again. And so it's always going to look exactly the same. So I think they need to bring new people in and edit and do whatever they need to do. Maybe it's younger people. That way they can have more clips for social media or anything like that, more shareable content. I think that could be a big game changer for them too. Well, the other thing is like, did you notice the um, bunker cam is now coming around? Like they're now having bunker cams and they're kind of like lame, like, cause you, you're just like, this is but just But that's really... golf though. It's like, you can't, like, I don't know how to make it like cool or interesting. And so like, yeah, like a bunker cam's cool. Cause I, I mean, that's like the, what, what else can you do? I mean, they've done kind of like the, the 360 with the cameras, which I think is really cool. And they usually have that at one of the holes, but that's it. That's all the action we get. I it's, think... a, it's a one second swing. What else well, do okay. we do? How about this? Okay, well, first of all, the drone shots, we both talked about this in, at Harding Park, the, the drone shots were amazing, but what if you put a camera, a, a GoPro in the hole and on a, so that it would come up and go back down? And so when, the, when the, uh, the putt was coming or the chip was coming and you let the guy set up and ready to take his shot or her shot, and then as soon as the putt leaves the putter, the GoPro comes up and the ball comes right at you. What that you would be really cool, but you would probably only be able to do that for exhibition matches. Can because can you imagine if it didn't like come back down and it hits and it doesn't go in the hole? Like what would they do? Like, that, <laughs> that would be terrible. It's like oh he lost the U.S. Open by one shot because the GoPro didn't go down in time. <laughs> okay, yes, yes, you're right. But exhibition, why don't we try all this stuff on another exhibition? I mean, the, yeah, and and you're gonna you're gonna. Bryson will be the next one that's going to be because Tigers, everyone wants to watch Tigers, so Tigers always in. Um, I think JT is, I think he's a good, good candidate to go again. 
I yeah, think he's the, good because he has that relationship with Tiger too, where they can go back and forth, and no one else kind of picks at Tiger the way that JT does in like a fun-loving way. Phil definitely does it, but I think he knows how to. They know how to push each other's buttons, and so it's nice to have that like more playful relationship that Tiger has with JT. For sure, and JT, you know, like I. I watched him on Faraday and he was talking about Phil Mickelson and how cheesy he is and how his dad <laughs> and all that stuff. And it's totally true. So if you put JT, you know, different generations together, then, and he, he's not afraid to go at even Tiger Woods. So yeah. that's, that's great. So I think you also throw in, you know, Kepka probably won't do it, but Bryson could do it. You, I mean, if Patrick. Bri- a Bryce, a, a, yeah. So like a Bryson, um, Brooks, JT Tiger match could be really, really interesting. I think that would be really funny uh, to watch. But seeing Brooks and Bryson on the same team would be a funny dynamic because you know they don't really like each other. So it's like, how would they, you know, work with each other? I think that could be really interesting. Well, and the other thing is, like you always bring up, I think Bryson's, I don't think he's going to be ready for that because of all his brand, uh, you know, his brand. conscious life you know the first thing he talks about is his brands and he's all about brands so anything that would subject his brands to some criticism he probably maybe wouldn't go through with yeah seems a bit soft i mean i just had to say one thing bad about bryson i just had to do it i can't not do it Time. um Time. but what did Pro you Pro what Pro did you Time. think <laughs> i know was that what for 14 minutes into it <laughs> That's a new record for me. But, uh, gosh, the Gary Player rant on trees. <laughs> what? I don't even know what happened. I think everyone was looking around confused. He's never talked about being a tree hugger. He said city slicker. What happened? He's 84. <laughs> He's 84, and he's talked about every single aspect of golf you could talk about. But what was his point? I don't even understand his point. Like, some of the best golf courses are, like, link-style courses. They don't even – he's created golf courses without trees. What was his point? <laughs> um, it was a uh, climate change effort, maybe from a grandkid, that said, "You, Grandpa, you should talk about climate change. <laughs> he's like, okay, I'm on it. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what, the, the, the one thing I did love was Gary Player, Jack Nicholas. They were just shooting that shit and talking golf. I was mesmerized about that. But the rest of his stuff, I mean, I just think athletes should be athletes. Yes, you can be political as well. And I'm glad what all the NBA is doing and stuff. But when you, when you judge someone like that, like Gary Player, like I just have to let him pass. Sure, sure. We won't cut down any more trees. Sure. Like, I mean, Gary Player could say whatever he wants. Like, exactly. That guy's wild. I, I don't know if I've st- I told this story before, but I played with him um, twice. But the first time I played with him, I played horrible. I was so nervous. And I hit a bunker shot. It was a long bunker shot. And I used a 50-degree wedge. And he's, like, walking by, and there's, like, spectators on right and left. He goes, Paige, what would you use there? And I said, I used my 56-degree wedge. He's like, your golf IQ is 1 out of 10. Get better. And just kept walking. And I'm, like, <laughs> like on the verge of tears. Like, that guy has no filter, but you have to respect him because he just gives no fucks. And I love Gary Player for that because he makes those things interesting because he says whatever he wants. Holy shit. I mean, there's two holy shits here. Number one holy shit is you got to play with the guy twice. That's a holy shit. And then that he's just like, just a 
roast? You just got roasted by? I mean, I kind of, it's kind of a brag. Like it was, it was pretty funny. And then I was missing it right and left. And everyone knows that you can't have a two-way miss. Like you need to have one miss. And so that day I was missing it right. I was missing it left. I was just so nervous. And this was right before I was going to the Scottish Open. And so this was my second big pro tournament after I bombed in Dubai. So obviously, like tensions are high. Like I'm full anxiety. And he's like, you're never going to make it on tour if you have a two-way miss. And he's like, also, your driver is shit. You need to get a new one, like, now. <laughs> and I'm holding this driver, and I'm like, I have to go play in this tournament tomorrow. What am I going to do? I mean, my head was so fucked up after that day. Um, but I ended up making the cut in the Scottish Open. So maybe he just gave me that little extra boost and fire. But I ended up playing with him again in the Legends event at Big Cedar Lodge. And he didn't remember playing with me the first time, thank goodness, because I played like shit. And I played really well, and he's like, your golf IQ is amazing. And I was like, "Uh (laughs) aha, I've improved. It was also pretty funny, too, because I met Johnny Morris, and he's, like, honestly one of the nicest guys for being, like, complete billionaire, like, a literal billionaire. Um, But he was questioning me, because when you look at me, you don't think Bass Pro Shop, right? Like, you don't think I'm going to, like – go shoot and fish and do all that stuff. And, um, but I, I love going in there. I think it's so much fun. And so he was talking to me and I was like, oh, I love Bass Pro. I mean, I, I love going to the stores all the time. And he didn't believe me. And so he's like, which ones have you been in? And I started like listing them off. <laughs> I was like, the one in Myrtle Beach, the one in Colorado, the one in Arizona, uh, the one in Mesa, and this one and that one. And he was shocked. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I love going in there and looking at the fish tank. And he just started dying laughing. So that's the, those are my um, <laughs> Big Cedar Lodge stories that I have. The good old boy. Nice. You passed tests. You passed I, both tests. I, I, I got a little nervous there for a second, but we have... One more golf tournament to talk about before do we, we do we, do, do we, do we um, so we have the Corrales Putacana Resort and Club Championship, Hudson Stafford. I don't think I said that right. I, I tried to say it super fast so no one would hear me. White girl, white girl. <laughs> I tried to put a little, a little flair on Putacana. 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 How do you? How would you say it, Josh? Punta, pun, pun, punta Cana. Punta Cana. There's an so, N in there, yeah. Punta. You know what? It's just—it's not gonna happen. It's the Cana for me. <laughs> <laughs> I have no flavor. Um, so the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship <laughs> happened in Missouri. <laughs> and. Uh, so Hudson Swafford, he ended up winning. And the only thing I have to say about that is he looks like the love child of Harris English and Lucas Glover. That's the only interesting tidbit of that whole tournament. Interesting. He looks like okay. Harris English yeah. undercover. He was put in, what do they call that? Um, witness protection program. <laughs> he just became Hudson Swafford for a week. I got to be honest, I tried really hard to watch all four days, like a little bit every day, you know, just to get the vibe and all of that. And yes, it's beautiful. And it's always breezy. Why is it always breezy? Um, And I was just kind of, I was, I just, it was just perfect sleep. I feel really bad because these are guys, these are all the guys, the, the off, the off competition. These are the guys that are going to qualify. These are guys going to make some money. I mean, like 
he went he made seven hundred twenty thousand dollars i mean that's well, great they're the up and coming guys and obviously we should probably spend more time on highlighting them but i didn't watch a second of it so it's it's junior, <laughs> it's junior varsity it's still junior varsity and i and wish I wish for these weeks that they would bring in a new crew. So this is where they could test things out and try things out and bring in um, new analysts and on-course reporters, just something a little bit different. And maybe that will help for these kind of off-down weeks that people aren't really as interested in. So if it goes bad, hey, what? No one's watching. If it goes good, cool. We can improve on that. But I think those are the weeks that they need to do something a little bit different because no one's really going to tune in and watch. I didn't watch a second of it, unless you're betting. That's the only reason I think probably people watch this week. I, I don't even think they have to watch. They just look at it up on, on their app uh, yeah. at the end and see how they did. But th they could do something like a Hard Knocks vibe during the podcast, or I mean the, the broadcast, and they could just do, <laughs> look, this guy's this, 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 and then they show a little yeah. clip and they move on. And something. We don't know these people because they got to win for us to know them. Yeah. They gotta, and they're in the junior varsity and they're, they're, com they're professional golfers and they're 50 times better than I am, but they're not winning yet. They're, they're on their way. If you show me a human interest story that would pique my interest a little bit, maybe I'd root for them. Yeah. But I mean, well, I looked they, down that list. They just don't like, really do a great job at highlighting up and coming players. They just don't. I, I feel like so many people have stories. I mean, everyone has a story to tell and they never really do a good job of doing that. Maybe it's just the guys don't really, they're not interested in it because they're so focused on golf or I don't know what it is, but I hope that gets a little bit better when you have the down weeks that they can make it more interesting. But we have so much more to talk about. So we're gonna take a quick little break here and we're gonna be back for Different sports, not golf. <laughs> so before we get into some sports talk, I have a little bit of a funny story and it's unrelated to anything, but I just wanted to share with you guys. So, you know, I have issues with DMs and people sending me stuff. And so this guy, he sent me a message and you can't see them. And so he sent me a message and it said, your, your nudes have been leaked. And I freaked out, I opened it up and it was a picture of his dick. And so I was like, he got me, that was a good one. <laughs> and then I didn't remember what his username was or anything. He did it again. He said, no, seriously, like you need to check this out. Click on it again, it's his dick. <laughs> <laughs> Three times, same person three times. <laughs> Four times because it happened one more fucking time. I... <laughs> oh God, I wish I could is have it... seen it. I wish is... I could have seen your reaction. Like, oh Paige, you felt it again. <laughs> <laughs> dying, I was dying. And you can't even get mad at it because every single time I kept falling for it because you can't see what it is. So we kept saying these things and I'm like, I need, it, I need to look, like I need to look. And so I kept looking and it was every single time I opened the picture, it was his dick. Every single time. Same, same picture? Same pic, yeah, or different angles. Different <laughs> pictures, different pictures. And so I think he saw that I kept looking at them and so we kind of stopped doing that and he was like starting to ask me more questions and I stopped opening it because they were like, are your boobs real? Like I want to, like all that kind of sexual oh. stuff. And I was like, 
you don't have me anymore. But he was like, I'm so in. I made her look at my dick four times. <laughs> yeah, you, you went 360 degrees around that baby. I know every angle of it. I know what it looks like. I I just thought that was so funny. I had to tell you because it happened again this morning. So uh, today was like the fourth time. Uh, so <laughs> it happened this morning. You fell for it again this morning. Oh, no, like the fourth time that I looked at it. And then oh, after okay. that, he started sending all those messages. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not falling for it again, sir. <laughs> Your DMs are about to be blown up after this. Everyone's like, okay, it works. It works. Fool so me four <laughs> times. Shame on me. <laughs> shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. Okay, fourth time, shame on me. <laughs> Like, I, I got it. I, I deserve it. So we'll get into sport talk now, but I had to share that little story. Uh, um, Jason Whitlock wrote an article kind of bashing Katie Nolan and also Maria Taylor. And he said that beauty is the greatest privilege. And he said without Katie Nolan's looks that she would still be a bartender. And this created a lot of controversy. Um, a lot of people were defending him. A lot of people were defending Katie Nolan. And it turned into this whole shitstorm on Twitter and online. And I, I, I got dragged into it. Well, I dragged myself into it, which okay. I tend to do all the time. But he went after uh, Casey Smith, who was on the show, and she's a good friend of mine. And he was kind of saying the same things to her. And so I made a response back to him, and it, it, it blew up. I want to say – Twitter sometimes like a game of telephone where the original thought or idea turns out to be something that's completely lost in it. A lot of people were saying that Jason was saying that it's okay to use it, use your beauty to your advantage, but you have to acknowledge it. And a lot of people took it also as that women are only getting these jobs because of their beauty. And so you can take it both ways. I'm going to say that it's a cutthroat industry, especially in sports media and being a male is a huge advantage and so as a woman you have to use every advantage that you have and I think it would be extremely stupid to not use your beauty to your advantage that's something that I've decided to do in my career obviously it's a double-edged sword because people are are going to accuse you of not being worthy of the job that you're getting and people are going to say that you're only there because of your looks or I mean people tell me all the time how many blowjobs have you given to get to the position that you're at and that's really frustrating for me and I feel that I've had to take this angle because I was never given a fair shot maybe not me uh, but other women are maybe not given a fair shot because guys are always given the job. And so you have to do something to kind of stand out or to stick out. And I thought it was a really lazy take on Jason's part because, of course, like being attractive does help you. That has always been something that has happened from the beginning of time. And models literally make millions and millions of dollars by being attractive. People like to look at people who are attractive, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. It's like telling someone who's really smart that you're, you know, you're a little bit too smart, that you're, you can't use that to your advantage. You can't be intelligent. And we all have certain different traits that set us apart, so why would you not want to use everything that you have to your advantage? Yes, for sure. And the funny thing about Jason's his his testimony or whatever is that partially he's he's correct and partially he's upset about it because 
he's not particularly attractive. And so therefore he had to do the old fashioned way and go, but, but he's a man. I think being a man is a bigger advantage in the sports industry than being an attractive woman. We've, we've talked about this, right? Which would yeah. you rather? And I would say that because he's doing this bullshit, this is just helping more women get into sports, in my opinion. Um, there's, there's like, I think there's a, there's still this sort of, my sister was a sportscaster for 20 years. So, I mean, like I'm heavily invested in this whole thing. There's still a place and only a place where women can go in sportscasting, right? Yeah. And there's been a couple that have, that have really done really well. But other than that, they're just doing the job they're asked. So Whitlock talks shit about qualifications and what she does and what she doesn't do. Which, which actually is valid, except that that's what they're asking her to do. So and do, you th do you think that, like I said, that beauty is a double-edged sword, that it gets you maybe through the door, but at a certain point it just stops you in that position because people only see you as one thing and they're distracted by that and they never look at your talent or what you're doing because of what you look like? I think it goes both ways, and I think... yeah. With you, I have now, you know, with, with being on this podcast with you, I have seen the limitations that you run up against, right? But then you look at look at Erin Andrews, like, and she was good at her job. And now and then she got better. And then she's she's got now she's getting more and more and she's in dancing the stars and she's doing all she's done all of these things because she's she's good at she's good at what she does. And it was irrefutable, right? And she must have been she must have played along with the network, you know. Because you all have to. I mean, do you want to talk about whores? Guys in sports casting are whores. <laughs> They'll do anything to yeah. keep their job. So, like, it is just Whitlock's yelling at 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 these women for doing their job, which yeah. is so. There's truth in it, and that's great. But now everyone has a fucking platform. Hey, I haven't even been on Twitter or Instagram in over two weeks. So I'm sorry I haven't liked any of your photos. I haven't even been. I can't even be on it anymore. There's so much bullshit. Everyone and everyone has a fucking yeah. voice. And no, so that's true. And it, 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 it's hard because I, after I kind of forced myself into this conversation um, to help Casey out, uh, I had to take a couple days off of Twitter because of the comments that I was getting back. And it, it didn't get to me, but it was just, it was frustrating. Because I've had guys and women shit on me every single day for the last five years of my life. Every single day someone has said something negative to me. It could be something as small as you look fat today. It could be something that you're only where you are because of your looks. Or it could be something horrible. And every single day, multiple times a day, I get that over and over and over again. And so in the last, I would say, almost probably since this podcast has come out, I've been very liberated to have a voice and to stick up for myself. I have been fighting back. And a lot of people have now been calling me a cyberbully. And it drives me insane because I have raised like thousands and thousands of dollars for CyberSmile. I, I go out of my way to do everything I can for them. And I lately I've been trying to not disassociate myself from them, but kind of just move away from that because no matter what I say, it could be something as small as, 
you know, just a, a little comeback to someone who said something mean to me, they bring up an article about me talking about cyberbullying and then they call me a cyberbully. And it's just so frustrating that you can never have an open conversation, open dialogue about any topic before it turns nasty within a second, within a second. And so I've taken the approach, it's like, if you come at me, I'm coming at you. And if I come at you, fine, you can come at me. And that's totally fine. Um, but this has been frustrating. Like, it's hard. And it makes me, you know, kind of not question my career. But did I did I take the right path? Am I doing the right things? Am I, am I only where I'm at because of this reason? It's, and so it, like, makes you think and it makes you wonder and it makes you realize, like, am I stuck? Am I stuck? Is this all I'll ever be able to do? Or is, is it okay to be confident with my body and, and what I look like and use that to my advantage because um, I don't get a fair shot as other guys in the industry? And I know that's true because I look at other guys in golf media and I can be almost all of them. I played at a higher level than more than probably 99% of them, not the guys who are commentating because obviously they played, but in the field of work that I do as an influencer and in digital media, I have played at a higher level than almost all of them. And so if you look at my career and what I've accomplished and everything, I should be getting way more opportunities than I'm getting, but I'm not because they're giving it to those guys. But would I even have a career if I didn't show my body? So it's like this weird kind of thing where it's like you go back and forth and you're like, I am qualified. I know what I'm doing and I'm not getting opportunities. Am I not getting opportunities because they're giving it to men or are they not giving me opportunities because I've decided to go this path of, you know, being confident with who I am. And so it's been driving me crazy, honestly. Like it's been hard. Okay, here's my take on this. Um, you did, you did get a significant amount of stuff from how you look. Yes. And I know that. So, 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 and you know, not only do you own that, I mean, not only do you know that you own it. And, and it's one of the reasons I'm even here, like that I was interested in coming because I wanted to see what that's like. So you hit that gear, but now you're like stuck. Like you said, stuck. It, it's, it was something in my head is that you are stuck because now you're not asking for anything more. You're just protecting what you got. And so now, like, you put that out there for you. You put out shots of your body, and you yeah. make sexual innuendos all the time, and your fans love it, and you have a lot of fans because of that, and that's made you something. That's great. Now, if you want something else, PG, go fucking get it. Make up your mind to go, go find something that you do want. If you want to get into golf broadcast. Start using your platform to ask people for the, that favor, that chance. Well, and, they, I, and I think it's like you're you're correct on what you're saying, and that's what's so hard about it. Because I I love who I am. I love the fact that I can be sexy and make jokes, and I I love my sense of humor. But why does that have to hold me back when guys can do that and they have no problem climbing up the ladder? And it's, not it's just. Back. How no, and it it's not back? holding me back, but it's like, I don't want to have to change who I am to move up or to get more opportunities or to do something different. I like who I am, and I just wish that people could see the whole package and be okay with that. Like, it's, a, it's fine if a woman is sexy. Like, that, that is not a limitation on her knowledge of a sport. That is so fucking dumb. Dumb. 
A girl has tits so she doesn't know as much about golf? What the fuck? Seriously, how stupid is that? That we have an idea in our head that because she's a woman, she can't, she's not as capable in the sports industry. But, but like that you, is like so unbelievably stupid. Right, but you saying that, you even saying that idea is is alluding to the notion that it exists when it doesn't. It happen. does exist. It does exist. Agreed. That's what's so, so insane about it. So we all know it exists, and there's 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 tons of your allies out there like me that that we know that shit exists. So show us there's an there's another way. Show me go show up to a to an. A PGA event or an LPG event and get a camera and do something of your own thing. Just do it yeah. and just see. Because you know what? People are going to talk shit. Guess what? You're guaranteed that. People are going to talk <laughs> shit. So show, show them there's also another side to it. You know? You know, it, it's just, it's weird because I love being an influencer because you could, I feel like we were the rebels. Like we could say what we wanted because we were producing our own content and the only people we had to please were our followers, our fans, and the people who are consuming our content. And now since everything is kind of moving away from traditional media into digital media, influencers are now kiss asses. They will do it, say anything, do anything. And I miss the way it was before where we could do whatever we wanted and still it didn't matter about the opportunities we were getting because it was all just about creating entertaining content. And, and now it's becoming like this corporate thing. And I hate that. I hate that. I, I love working with my, my partners who allow me to be me and they don't force me to say certain things or do certain things. They let me create the content I want to create. And I don't work with people who want to change me. And so like, I am still trying to be myself, climb up the ladder, do what I want. But at the end of the day, like I'm never going to change who I am to appease other people and if that means less money if that means less notoriety then fine like i'm okay with that and i'm okay with that but it's just again it goes back to what we were talking about originally where people say you're only where you at because of your boobs like that's thank you like you think my chest is so incredible that I only have these opportunities, but they don't see how smart I am or how business savvy or this, the, the decisions that have gone into all of my career. Like people get the opportunities that they do, but then you have to act upon that. You could say the same thing about the Kardashians. Like they're only famous because <laughs> of Kim Kardashian. Well, Kylie Jenner started all of this and she's created an empire for herself. You can say this about literally anyone. You're only where you are because of your parents. You have money, you're a man, you're beautiful, you're this, you're that. Well, I think people just need to stop complaining about it and just do what they wanna do. And I think that goes back to originally what we're talking about. It's like, yes, we all have our own certain privileges, but you have to capitalize on that and make a career for yourself. So for Jason to say that beauty is the greatest privilege, he's he's not wrong in a sense, but everyone has certain advantages and everyone has certain privileges and you have to act upon that to be successful because it's a highly competitive world and you'd be stupid to not use every advantage you have. So can we then agree that, Paige, you don't ever say that shit ever again and have to defend yourself because you got that way from your boobs so that we can just not talk about how smart you are and you show everyone how smart you are and move on well, from, yeah because you're always going to get but, like, that I'm, but i'm insecure about it so i think that's why i talk about it because i'm like trying to like talk myself into it and so it's always like an insecurity of mine when people 
bash on my credentials or what I've accomplished because I'm insecure about it. I'm 100% insecure about it. And so um, I feel like I'm trying to like prove myself. And you're right, I shouldn't talk about it anymore. I should just do it and show people, but that's just my insecurity coming out. And that's kind of why I had to take like a little break from Twitter because everyone was just, you know, digging out my insecurities. And that's not cyberbullying, by the way. That's not cyberbullying. And I think before in the past, I got them a little bit confused and I was just overly sensitive and a lot of people weren't bullying me for certain things that they were saying that made me upset. I was just very insecure and I took it really hard and I have grown thicker skin. I've learned from that and I've come out on the other side better, but we can't call certain things bullying when it's not actually bullying. And I've learned that now and I think that's why a lot of people think that I've changed, but I haven't changed. I still have the same stance on cyberbullying and treating people with respect, but if you say something that's the truth and it hurts their feelings, then that's on that's on them. Absolutely. I think I just for me and that my advice to UPG is just actions. Don't just they're always gonna be you're always gonna get those people. It'll never stop. So to piggyback on the Jason story, so we had Washington versus Cleveland was the first NFL game with female coaches on both sidelines with a female official. Mm -hmm. These were some of the tweets that I pulled off of the story. How long before all team colors are mandated to be various shades of pink? That's an L. They belong in the kitchen. I didn't know dishwashers could coach games. 2020 strikes again. It's not the best person for the job anymore. Those were just some of them. There's over a thousand <laughs> comments like that. It's just so stupid. I'm sorry. It's, it's, I did try not to laugh at the dishwasher one. <laughs> I mean, like, it's kind of funny. But, but like, that's what, like, women in the sports industry deal with. They are obviously highly qualified, probably more qualified than anyone else because they know they're going to get so much shit. And so they have to be above and beyond everyone else. Like even the people who hired them know that they're going to get shit. So they're like, God, they must be really, really good then if they get this job over all of that. I had this idea like, because who was, there was, a, there's another assistant coach for another team. Was it Rams? I can't remember where it was. Uh, San Francisco. Yeah. And I started thinking about this and I was like, are these men you know, like what, what I wonder what these guys are, you know, they want to win. They do want, I wonder what they think. But then I thought about this in like, let's call it 10 years. I think there's going to be a lot of women coaches because who do you listen to most as a young man? Your mom, your mom. And I would listen to my mom. If she knew what she was talking about, then I would, and they, they, like you said, they have to know what they're talking about even more so than the guys to even have the job. I think this is a good thing. And yes, you're going to get that stupid shit dishwasher jokes, of course, because everyone has a fucking voice now. So we're going to get that. But I think it's great. I think it's the start again, a start of, a, of another barrier to break down. I mean, like in this whole idea of RGB and all of this, it's, I, I don't want to make it political, but like in, the, in my head, this is all going. This is all a forward progress and there's going to be shit with forward progress. Again, I said this a little bit ago. Why do guys think that women are not capable of talking about sports? Like, it's 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 football or it's basketball, it's hockey. Like, we're not we're not none of us are playing right now. We're just watching, 
And then we create ideas about that. So why is a woman less capable of doing that? Well, we have to be honest, though. A lot of what there are a larger majority of men who watch sports than women. So I don't think it's not that they don't like think we're capable. It's just I don't think they assume women want to talk about sports. So when you do, you're going to have like the dicks who are like, you don't know what you're talking about. Or you're going to have the guys being like, this is hot girl that talks sports. So it's like, I feel like we do have to kind of realize, though, there are a lot of girls, like even some of my closest friends, like I love sports and usually you surround yourself with people who have like common interests. And a lot of my friends are like, I don't care. You know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's the reality of it. And let me ask you this. Let me ask both of you this. Like, what do you think? The, the so not what do you think of these three women like but do you think you'd be friends with any of these three women like what yeah the the umpire and the, or oh, the, yeah. they're the assistant coaches do you think they would be like your jam do you think you'd hang out with them yeah well i don't i'm trying to think and i probably only have like one girly girl kind of friend <laughs> but she is oh it's Chelsea Chelsea she's more she's like a girly girl but she still loves sports and she can still talk about sports and I can't think of any of my friends who are like let's go shopping let's get our nails done let's get our hair done like and there's nothing wrong with that but I've always gravitated more towards like all my friends half my friends are lesbians and then the other half just like love sports I just have never been like one to be like with the gossipy girly girls like and I hate saying that because it's like, oh, I'm one of the boys. Like, I'd rather hang out with the boys. And that meme of, like, hot dogs flying at your face just, like, pops into my head. Uh, but, no, I, like, I've always just – I've always preferred hanging out with guys, and I've preferred hanging out with girls. Pro tour? With the, the question of the three women? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. But I like sports, so I'd be like, teach me what yeah. you know because I am – I would be so unqualified – and knowing that humbly, but I think it's just, you know, you're, you're always going to face those people who are going to have like the dishwasher jokes, or you're gonna have the people who are like, this is really hot, a girl that likes sports. So I think it's just like, who are you talking to? And I think there would, we'd be shocked that a lot more guys are actually excited about this movement than against it. We just hear the dick comments more so in the, in the ads. Well, and, like, some of them were kind of funny. Like, I definitely laughed. I was, like, a little upset, but I did laugh. Like, they, they are funny, and I think that's where we you, you do have to, like, laugh it off and not take it so seriously. Um, but, there, but there are a lot of people who just aren't getting the opportunities, and it comes back to this ideology that women can't, don't know as much and about sports or they're not as interested in all this stuff, and it starts, like, when you're young and by the toys that you're given compared to boys are given. It's, like, this whole thing that we could get into, but it's really boring. But I think well, that, but I think I that, no, I want to say my point though. I think that guys overestimate their knowledge when it comes to sports. Cause I will be sitting next to a guy at a mm. sports bar or especially at a golf tournament. I want to blow my brains out when I'm standing next to a guy at a golf tournament talking about golf. Like they know absolutely nothing, nothing. And so it's funny to hear them be all confident or try to talk to their girlfriend or their wife. And the girl obviously doesn't know anything. And she's like, oh, wow, honey, you're so smart. Like, you know what you're talking about. (laughs) And the guy's like, his ego is inflating. And it's like, bro, you know nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) There was like five things I had to say about all of this. And I I will go back to the, the coaches. And the thing is... I've actually listened to both of you two do girl talk. So there is a girly girly in both of you, right? 
Yeah, 100%. I think what Pro Tour said is correct. There's a lot more allies out there than haters. I know. It's just, it's fun to talk about and it gives us something to discuss. <laughs> you can't, I mean, we're now making it simple and just like, yeah, it's fine. We're making progress. We don't want the good stuff. We want the bad stuff. That was what oh, makes it interesting. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. So we're going to go to a break. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> So Tiger Woods' putter, his backup putter from 2001, was auctioned off. Guess how much it sold for? <laughs> I think I know. I think I know, right? $150,000? Wait, how much is a normal putter? With, like, no customization? Like, nothing? Like, a normal off-the-rock putter? Yeah. <laughs> so I could understand what it would mean. Like... 350 bucks. Yeah. Got it, Cameron. 350 to 400 bucks. Wait, that's a lot. Yeah, well, no that, that's like the night. That's like the like the Mercedes of putters. Okay, which is so what Tiger I would, would say, have. Yes, that's what, so he his is a Scotty Cameron. I would say like anywhere from a hundred dollars to about five hundred dollars would be like your average for a putter. How much did it go for? One hundred fifty thousand dollars. You're I think kidding. That's a bargain. I think that's a bargain. I kind of want to see how much a putter, one of my putters, would go for. <laughs> <laughs> you should. I mean, I, I think, I think it'd probably go for maybe. I mean, if it's a good putter, it might go for like a thousand dollars. But I don't know. I, you know, it's funny because we just talked about not using um, <laughs> my looks or anything to get ahead. I could probably kind of create a pretty interesting story about my putter. And maybe, maybe, maybe sell some panties with it. <laughs> wrap it in, wrap it in panties. I was going to say, PG, they don't want to buy your putter. I know, I'm trying to see what I could do to jack it up to $150,000. And I don't think there's anything. Like, use bath water wrapped in panties. I mean, I don't, like, the, the handle was used for something. Like, oh God. I don't... I don't know, but I don't think I could get it to $150,000. I don't think I could. And that's depressing. Oh, there's some creeps out there with all that money. I don't think that, I don't think it would happen. But that's insane. That is so much money. So I was at Tiger Jam um, a couple years ago um, before I was banned for using Hot in Here as my walkout song at another event with Tiger. And <sighs> they did an auction. It was insane. Like, it went something, it was like caddy for Tiger for five holes or like the back nine on a practice round. And some guy paid like $200,000 for it. Like they were just auctioning this stuff up with Tiger and the amount that it was going for was insane. Insane. I can't even imagine. Because he's, the, he, he's arguably the best it's ever been, right? I mean, like there's, there's, there's Hogan, Bobby Jones, Jack Nicholas, and Tiger. And he's there in the living and you could have his putter. Fuck yeah, people are gonna pay that much money for that. First of all, I it's mean, a dope ass putter. I mean, it and it's cool Tiger Woods. So let's say that you buy the putter, do you use the putter? Or is that just going up in, on yeah, your no. wall? Yeah, that's an investment. That's just straight up an investment. No one's gonna use that putter. I would use it. I would definitely use it. You don't putt. Why would you, why would you buy something and then not use it? Like you would wanna use the same putter that Tiger is using. You would use the putter. 
It's an investment. It's, but you're not going to take like the signed LeBron James basketball and like take it to the courts. <laughs> That's different. I mean, what if How? it was like, what if it was, because it's like equipment, like um, Michael Jordan's shoes. Let's say Michael Jordan's shoes and you're the same size. You're lying if you would say you would never put them on your feet and run around and like try to act like him, do the, the jump. Hey, do you know nothing about money? There's I don't. No, I know nothing about life or being an adult. This is like these Same. are all. This is a whole. Ask your girl, Holly Saunders. Her man does this for a living. He takes things. He put. He buys them. He puts them on a wall for five years, and then he sells them for more. This has nothing to do with sports. It's well, an. If you have that much money, don't you want to like? I don't know. I think it would be cool to use the putter or to like put someone's shoes on or their jersey or anything like that. That's cool. Or you save that money and you go on a private jet to the Bahamas. You go do something actually fun. The Putacana. <laughs> Take your clubs to the Putacana. I don't know. I think it would be fun to use it. That's what I would do. But I would never spend $150,000 on a putter. What was the Jeopardy thing? Phil Mickelson was a uh, was on Jeopardy. Or he he was a question on Jeopardy as who is the highest paid athlete over fifty, um, currently highest paid athlete over fifty. It was the Jeopardy question, and all three people did not get it right. So what a shot so, to your ego! <clears throat> like that would suck. That is worse than someone not buying a putter for like a hundred dollars from me. You walked right into that because I'm going to tell you something like. I actually was a question on Jeopardy as well. What did they say? Who hosted the NBC show America's Toughest Jobs? And no one got it. You hosted that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Like 2008. <laughs> I did not know that. So I would, yeah. have, <laughs> I would have failed that one too. Well, everyone did fail. So it was roasted. I got roasted like Phil did. But I feel like the people who were on Jeopardy, they... That's happened a lot where you see funny clips of them not knowing like entertainment news or sports news and they only know certain things. And so that's, I mean, it's not that surprising. It's definitely a shot to Phil's ego. Definitely Phil. He's probably like staying up at night thinking about this. Oh, but he tweeted, he tweeted a whole thing about it. Of course he did. I don't follow him anymore. Good. Get off when I, social. He said, just when I think I've arrived, I was the answer to tonight's final Jeopardy question. <laughs> I realize I still have a ways to go. They all got it wrong. Wait, did you guys hear about Joe Montana and his wife or uh, their grandson getting kidnapped out of the house? Insane. What a Popped random, up. weird story. Yeah, so I guess that they were in their house in Malibu because they live in San Francisco, but they have a house in Malibu. And they were watching their grandson and a lady just like walks in on an open door and she was like about like 39 years old um, and like picks the kid up and like starts walking to another room. And then they like had to like wrestle to get the kid back. From yeah, her. like literally wrestle their kid out of this person's hands. I see. This is what is confusing. How did she even I'm assuming they live in a gated community. And how did they how did she get through all of that? Yeah, I don't understand. People could just walk in somewhere. That happened with the guy who got into Fenway and started like screaming during the game. And then the other guy who 
I don't know if you guys saw this. He was at, I think it was the Brewer Stadium. Yes! He, he got on one of the um, tractors and was digging the field up. How does someone do that? Because because it's so fucking crazy that no one thinks about security in that, that, in that way. But everything but, would have to be locked up. Like, how did the tractor have keys in it? How did he get in there? I, how did no one see him for that long? Who would bother was, taking the tractor? But he was on security cameras. So was there literally just like no one working? Yeah. I think when you're so confident, like you can really get into a lot of things. You're like, just, hey, morning, Ted, or like morning. You got your cup of coffee, <laughs> throwing a little earpiece. You look like you know what you're doing and you get on the field and you just start tearing shit up. It's all about your confidence. Like police cars, the reason police cars get stolen is because they're always left unlocked and engines running because they don't, they're like, who's gonna fuck with a police car? That's how those police cars always get stolen because it's like that crazy gene that no one really has until someone has it. But let me ask like with the, with the woman, did they, was this an, a hit on like Montana because, was it because they're rich or because they were famous or because it was just rando? Right, I mean, it could be a diehard fan. It could be somebody wanting money or it could just literally be a random. I mean, there's also, like sex trafficking people. Sure. But so weird. Malibu, like that's not like, that's not a safe bet. That's not a safe That's bet. like weird. That's yeah. weird that, that that happens. And like people can just like, I'm still, I am more concerned about the tractor at Burris Stadium. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. I think it's because I'm so used to going to country clubs and they have the tightest security. You, you can't, you can't even get into golf courses without you know, saying your name, your tea time, the member that you're with and all of this stuff. And I'm like, how can people just like sneak in places? It's impossible. Allegedly, well, it's not. <laughs> allegedly, it's not. I don't know. Like, what's what's the <laughs> tightest security place you've ever snuck into? I've done TCU football stadium and we ended up having the cops get called on us. And because we like literally had to like hop the fence, and then we became friends with the police policemen, and then we got to get sideline um, field passes for the game. What? They gave you sideline passes after you tried to sneak in? Yeah, because they were, they were like the ones that monitor the football games. How? Why would they give you tickets though if you already tried to sneak in? Because I'm lovable. That's true. You That's are. why. Because it's, it's it's pretty pro tour. <laughs> It's pretty pro tour, of course. I used my looks to yeah, get some get sideline passes. Girls wow, Tori, how dare you? You wouldn't even be here without your looks or your hair. Ew. Be better. You're you're not qualified to do anything. Oh, I know. Speaking of being not qualified, no, just kidding. TNA. Yeah. <laughs> Let's shoot it back over the page. Talk about some golf. Perk up those boobs. You're about to get some TNA. <laughs> Like, you guys listening? You ready? <laughs> they, like, whisper to me, like, what I should say. Oh, my God. I thought, is that not your brain cells there? You guys seen Harry Potter, the first one, where he takes the his hat off and Voldemort's sitting on the back of his head telling him what to do? Like, that's, like, my boobs. Like, they, they're the business, and they just, like, tell me what I should be doing and every move I should make. They just whisper to me. First of all, I've never seen Harry Potter, but you saying you love Harry Potter is so fitting. I love Unsurprising I love fact Potter. of the day. 
I love Harry Potter too. That's all I'm going to comment from the last five minutes. <laughs> all right, Josh, take it away. All right. This is an, ooh, this is from Anonymous, but probably has a dick pic for you. <laughs> I'll open has it. Your, <laughs> <laughs> has your golf practice routine or time you practice changed since you picked up tennis? Do you practice more at tennis or golf? Two-part two question. When I like first picked up tennis, all I was doing was tennis because I was obsessed with it. And lately I've been more obsessed with golf. So it just kind of changes depending on my mood. If I, I'm playing really well right now. And so I'm enjoying playing golf, but when I'm not playing well, then I don't want to play golf and then I'll play more tennis. Um, no, nothing has changed with my practice routine. I don't really practice anymore. I'm enjoying just playing and being out there. And like I said, like my, my game is really good. And I feel like tennis actually helps my golf game because with tennis, you kind of come a little bit more under and to get like topspin, you kind of come under and then over it and you're like covering the golf ball. And so that actually helped my, my golf swing because I tend to come over the top. And so it's helped my swing plane. So I think I'm playing better now because of tennis, but I don't really practice really either. I just go out and do both of them for fun because I need more fun in my life. So you don't practice tennis, like you're not still learning the game, you're there. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not like doing drills. When I think of practice, I think of being out there for, you know, a long period of time with drills that you're doing and you're working on certain things. I'm not really doing them, I'm kind of just going and messing around. I'm horrible and I should be doing that, but it's more just for fun and I'm not like taking lessons or anything. Cool. Okay. Got it. <laughs> That's that's okay. Awesome. Here we go. Josh. Are you ready? Josh is like froze. Was there a glitch? Yeah, like glitch in your Did brain. Yeah, you you froze. Dude, I'm at my brother's house with 5G. There's no way it was me. Was it me? I, no, I don't think it was your Wi-Fi. I think like your brain just stopped working. <laughs> well, it's not it's not TNA with Josh. Um, I think for this next one because it's kind of juicy. Should we not say the person's name? Yeah, for okay. sure. Sure. Okay. Next TNA. Are you ready? This one's a big one. I'm excited for this one. My okay. My husband recently admitted to me that he's had a sexual attraction to another woman that we know for the past six years. Jen, Jen, he told Jen. me that he's never act. He's told me <laughs> that he's never acted upon it, and I do believe him. He's been brutally honest with me and very communicative. He told me that he loves me so much and that he feels satisfied with our relationship, but still has an attraction to this person. We plan on entering therapy together, but I guess I feel like I don't know how to move from forward from here. If it's been this long, it's clearly not going to go away. How could I ever feel confident? How can I ever stop wondering if he's thinking about her when we're intimate together? I'd appreciate any advice from the both of you on how to battle those insecurities and feeling like you're enough for your spouse. Mm. That's a tricky one. I would say that obviously I think that's normal and natural for you to be attracted to other people. I think if I will see someone walking down the street, guy or, or girl, I'll be like, oh wow, like she's, she's hot or he's hot and that's it. Like, I think it's okay to think that other people are attractive. The hard part is that it's someone that they know really close and I'm assuming that they spend a lot of time together. Um, 
but the fact that he didn't act upon it and he told her i think is really good for the relationship and hopefully that they can work through it together in therapy seems like there's other issues though because that to me that doesn't really seem like a, a really big deal but i also know how it can be being like how i feel like i've never really felt like enough for a lot of my relationships and so something that's so small could feel so big because i'm insecure with myself and that kind of bleeds into the relationship and yeah i think the biggest part and the hardest part that's going to be able to overcome is when they are being intimate is he thinking about this woman or is he thinking about me? That would be the one thing in my mind that would be the biggest hurdle to overcome with this is like, is he not attracted to me and is he thinking of her and wants to be with her, but he's more, you know, feels safe with me. And so all these things kind of run through your mind and I can see how she's feeling the way she's feeling. It's hard. Okay, Josh, do men find what, like you're in a marriage for a lot of years 17. Men have to think other girls are attractive. Do you think you always have to tell your wife or your significant other? No. So, I, look, here's, I, I think, I, one thing I do want to say is that Paige did say something that I really agree with, and that is I think there's something else more going on with this. Because not only as have I been sexually attracted to other women, my wife has been sexually attracted to other men and neither of us even had to admit it. You can tell, yeah. like if you're at a party and you can tell she's actually, my wife's come up to me and go, Oh, you really like her. And I'm like, yeah, she's fun. She's like, no, you think she's hot. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah, I guess I, I, I mean, like it wasn't even, she knew before I did or whatever. It, it's, it's, it's easy to tell and it's an easy solution. If it means, if, it, if it's that a problem, just that friend's gone. Just don't hang out with that friend anymore. I'm serious. <sighs> it's not that big of a deal. There's a lot more people in the world. Your marriage is most important. And if she can't get over it, then fine. There has been a specific person that I had a chemistry with, an attraction with, that my, my wife noticed. And this was years and years ago. Fucking easy, gone. We don't see her. It's not that I ignore her. We just don't see her. We got enough shit to deal with. You can go find other friends. Same thing with her. It was an ex-boyfriend that she still had something with. Fine. We don't see him anymore. It's gone. No big deal. It's not so you, worth anything. Do you think if um, they have that discussion, it's like, hey, we're going to decide not to see that person anymore and say the husband's like, you know what, I, I still want to see her, then that's a red flag, right? Then the, then they should be like, you know what, you, you do have a, a deeper connection with her or um, – if they're talking like a lot, maybe they're texting a lot or on the phone, that's also like a red flag. And I feel like something like that might be going on here. Cause I don't feel mm. like you would need to enter therapy to um, overcome this as is presented. It doesn't seem like a big enough issue. Um, so I feel like there's something deeper going on where there maybe might be like a deeper connection. Maybe it's his friend or an ex-girlfriend or something like that where she is feeling so insecure. Absolutely. I've been through many years of therapy, marriage therapy. I've been, I've been with, I've talked to men and women for many years about marriage. Look, people fantasize about other people. Sorry, it happens. You aren't, you are, you are the chosen one, but you ain't everything, right? So it's okay. You have to get in your mind that it's okay that someone's maybe thinking about another person at some point in your relationship. It's, it's natural. If you're, it, I don't think, you're admitting 
the truth if you think otherwise. So, so you're saying it's pretty common. That's fine. That's totally common. Well, a guy can be thinking about another girl while being intimate with your partner or wife. Totally. And vice versa. I don't know. Yeah, because pro tour, let me just tell you why. I guess if you're married to someone for an extended married period of time. Yeah, like you're you're with someone, let's say, for like 25 years or 35 years. I mean, you might get kind of not bored with that person, but you need maybe a little something to kind of rev you up. Five years, PG. I'm saying five years. Look, you've done all the work. Your marriage is in good shape. You support each other. You're there for each other. You give each other so many different positives and you work on the marriage. That's great. So every once in a while, she's not the sexiest person in the world or he's not the sexiest person in the world. Maybe maybe he just pissed you off or something. It's okay. Pro Tour, I think that it's, I think your objection is that you haven't really gotten sick of someone you love yet. I get sick of someone in like the third date. Yeah, but you never got sick of someone you loved yet. You got to fall in love and get, be in love and then be sick of them and still in love till you start even thinking that this stuff is possible. Do you think that everyone should do therapy, couples therapy? If they want the relationship to get better, I think that would be a good idea. But some people really, I, I, I know couples and I'm like, Jesus Christ, how the, this can't be fucking real. You're not this happy. You can't be this happy with each other. And some people just are. And, and I think maybe that's the soulmate argument or whatever. But I think therapy's phenomenal. Yeah. It really... See, I don't, I don't believe in soulmates. I think that you could be perfectly happy with like 10 people. Same. Like, I, I think you can totally find someone else and it'd be totally fine. I don't believe in soulmates. I, I agree, except that there is those couples. And I don't know if you know them, but I know a couple of couples that they're so goddamn good together all the time. And that's all they want to do. And they just, they're. Do you think that's fake though? I, Cause you see that on social media where couples will present this perfect image and then behind the scenes, like they'll get divorced or uh, break up. And then you're like, oh, so you're not actually like this perfect couple. No, no. I mean, these are people that I see in real life and, I, and I've yeah. known and, and, and they'll look at each other and go, you're being a fucking asshole right now. It's like, sorry, you're right. I'm being a fucking asshole. And you're right. I was being an asshole or whatever. They work it all out right there and they don't need, maybe it's just a, a personality or whatever. But so I, yeah, I, I put soulmates in quotes because I don't really have a take on that, except that there is an unexplicable um, sort of magic with some couples that I, 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 I'm they just like work. Yeah, they work better than other couples. Why? Well, I think it depends on the yeah. people too. Like some people love a toxic relationship. Like they love that kind of fiery, <laughs> intimate, you know, crazy, and they feed off of that. Like they want to get in fights because they like making up. And people <laughs> love <page>. that. <laughs> oh, I will start fights. I will start fights out of nowhere because I want attention. Like I know that I'm psycho and I'm toxic, but I need someone who's not toxic. And if I ever date someone who was very toxic, it was hor- it was horrible. It was fun, but it was horrible. And so, like when I've been in good relationships, I tend to like sabotage it because I'm like, this is this is boring. Like we're getting along, we're laughing, we're having a good time. Like where's where's the fire? Where where's the crazy? Like where where is that? And so I think people, I don't know. It 
people just work differently together and you just have to find like your person. I think there's a difference between like your person and a soulmate. I think you definitely, there's something about like your person where they balance you out and they make you great. But I feel like there's multiple people who could probably like take that role. I agree. I agree with that. So the, let me ask you this, PG, like after a while, you know, you don't want a toxic relationship, but you feel like getting toxic. How do you reconcile that? Like if you look, do you just look at a partner after a while and go, I'm going to start a fight with you right now? Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. Where, where do you go from there? Like, well, what, so for me, I've like realized that my life is, uh, very stressful and um, I need like distractions and not, and it's always kind of been that way. I just will hyper focus on something and I need distractions. And so for me, it was always being like single and talking to all these people. And I would always have someone who was like, I'm in a fight with because then I can make up with them and fix it and all that stuff. So I'm trying to fix myself so I don't do that anymore because I don't want to live my life like that. Like I want to be happy and I don't want to always wish that I had something else. Like I don't want to always, I don't want to be in a happy relationship and be like, I wish I had toxic and I, I wish I had this <laughs> and I wish I had that. Like I want to just be happy enough with myself, love myself enough where I don't feel like I have to do that to distract myself or to, um, you know, create some kind of, you know, controversy in my head. And I think that's like why I'm good at my job because I love Twitter fights. I love, you know, that conflict and, and that's kind of like my drug and I need to do that and not bring that into relationships in my real life because that's not healthy. And it's just, I think a lot of problems when it comes to people's relationships, they don't love themselves. And so they're always trying to do something to sabotage it because people don't believe that they should be happy. So it's a, it's a me problem and I'm working on it. <laughs> well, I mean, and not to sound condescending, but I also think that that's probably your age right now and where you are in life, right? Because you love the fight, but as far as relationships go now, they're, they, they need a little bit more. Like you're a more complex person now. You're starting to get a little older and things are more important to you to the core. So I think that in a relationship versus Twitter fight, like you need a little more Prozac in your relationship and then you keep your, keep your, your fight and going somewhere else. Yeah, well, for sure. I also just need to not have like distractions in my life. I just need to like focus on what I'm doing. Um, but no, it's, it's a work in progress. And I've always like, even when I've been in good relationships, I've never, I've like, I've never, I love being single. Like I love the talking stages and I love, I don't actually like having like a, a deep human connection with someone. I like the fun <laughs> and the flirty and like, that's my favorite part of it. Like, that's what I miss. Like being single is always just the talking stages, having a ton of people to talk to and keep you company and tell you you're great and awesome. Like the first three months of any relationship is the best. It's the best. And then after that, I'm like over it. Healthy. Super healthy. Protor agrees. My girl. But I'm usually like month, date number three. Month one, date number three. You like that's them fun. Out. It's fun it's though. Fresh because... and exciting. I get it. I get it. It's yeah. fresh and exciting for sure. But then after a while, that just gets boring and you just want to have like a partner and someone to always be there and support you and not have it just be that. So again, guys, just work on yourself. Try to be happy and don't take advice from me when it comes. Do as I say, not as I do. Good one. Um, 
Cool. Should we wrap it up? Yes. Cool. So, guys, it's okay to be attracted to other people. Just do not act on it. And if you do want to act on it, break up with your person before that because that's the right thing to do. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know we got into some deep topics, but we always try to have a good time. And that is all for today. And we will see you. Oh, my gosh. I always do that. I was going to say we'll see you guys next time, but we haven't figured that out yet. Um, well, no, uh, that's we'll, it. That's you'll it. hear Just... us. You'll hear us next time. We'll, we'll, um, we'll be, we'll be around. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. That's why I do what I do. Thanks guys. Not clunky at all. <laughs> Not, Not clunky, clunky at, all. at all. Such a pro. <laughs> My boobs stopped whispering to me. I didn't know what to say. Okay. Bye. Follow playing around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio. Or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.